like touring through Tokyo and having that culture dynamic shift right when you step off of that bus from the airport, you're in a whole different world and it's incredible. Yes, art is seeing a Broadway show or going to the ballet or going to a museum, but art is always around us, right? In the clothes that people are wearing and the way that people are moving, walking down the street, in how people express themselves. Tour when you can. Go travel as much as you can when you're younger. So you're gonna learn more on the road than you are going to learn if you just try to keep your career going in one place. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast, and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera. And my name is Anna Robb. On this episode, we'll be talking to Robin Masella and Mark Heitzman about dance on Broadway. Robin Masella is a Broadway performer, born and raised and living in New York City. Most recently, Robin has been seen on Broadway in Disney's Frozen the Musical. Other Broadway credits include Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Cats, New York City and off-Broadway credits include Evita at the City Centre, High Buttons Shoes at the City Centre, I Married an Angel also at the City Centre, and West Side Story at Carnegie Hall, Trip of Love at Stage 42 and Candide at Lincoln Centre. Robin has travelled the country in the national tours of Evita and Chicago, where she understudied the role of Roxy Hart. She has worked regionally at Goodspeed Opera House, Sacramento Music Circus, The Muni, Kansas City Rep, Toots, Hartford Stage and The Old Globe. Robin was the associate director and associate choreographer for Chick Flick the Musical Off-Broadway, as well as a number of upcoming projects. Robin has also choreographed for The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Mark is a proud Iowa native where his teachers sparked the love of performing and storytelling in him at the age of four. As a New York City resident for over 10 years, Mark has performed on Broadway and around the world. As a performer, Mark has been on Broadway in Bandstand and Cats. Of Broadway and regional credits include Mark's Towards Tender Time, New York City Center Encores, High Bottom Shoes, and Bandstand. Mark has also toured in the National Tour of Moving Out, International Tour of Man in the Mirror, Wexford, Ireland's Opera Festival, and Broadway Christmas Wonderland in Tokyo. Some other favorite credits include New York Fashion Week, The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, the movie What is Life Worth, and Mark's tour dance theaters when change comes. As a choreographer, director, Mark is a proud member of SDC, more recently seeing restaging the first national tour of Bandstand. Mark has also worked with Norwegian Cruise Line and the movie Can You Keep a Secret? While collaborating with many choreographers on different projects, Mark is always thankful for this community of storytellers. Hello, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. You both have an amazing list of credits to your name. How do you pack that into one house? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy hearing it. You know, we kind of, we know what we've done, but hearing someone read it off the list, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of nice. It's nice. It's really, really good. So tell us about yourself as dancers and choreographers, maybe starting with you, Robin. You know, what, what is it that you like about your work, your job, and why is this the career for you? So I grew up in New York, uh, right outside of Manhattan, so in New York City. And I was very lucky that at an early age, I was exposed to the arts. I 
grew up seeing Broadway shows. I grew up going to the ballet, going to the opera. Um, I grew up listening to musical theater. So it kind of from a very young age was ingrained in me. And I was given the opportunities to study dance as a, as a youngster and continued that through my life. And it just kind of became this thing that I wanted to do. And when I realized that people could do this for a living, I wanted to do that. And luckily enough, I've worked very hard to get where I am, but I've also been lucky to be able to have the opportunities that I've had performing on Broadway, doing national tours, and also jumping ship onto the choreography side of things. So I, I just love the arts. I love the expression that you can give while dancing, the emotions you can get out of it, everything that it does for my mind, body, and soul. <laughs> and I, I'm just fortunate that I've been able to so far make a living doing what I love. It hasn't been easy, but uh, I'm I'm very fortunate that I've been able to do that. When do you realize you could do this for a living? I feel fortunate because I actually grew up in a household where one of my parents was doing this for a living. So my father is a director and uh, we always joked about that the conversations around the dinner table were about Broadway, about musical theater, about the arts, as opposed to, you know, science or, or um, you know, engineering or something like that. So I... There was a part of me growing up that thought everybody did this, you know, like I I was exposed to theater and Broadway in a way that a lot of people didn't. I remember, I know my parents still tease me to this day, um, where I, you know, I thought everybody went backstage after the shows to say hi to people because everybody had friends in Broadway shows. That was just like what we did, you know, and clearly that's not the case. And I learned that. <laughs> But um, I, I don't ever really remember there being a time where it clicked. It just kind of was something that I knew people did. And I, because I was exposed to it and surrounded by it, I just always wanted to do that. Now, I will say my parents didn't make that super easy for me. You know, they were trying to gently nudge me in another direction. They never stifled my love for it, but they definitely didn't say, okay, sure. Yes, honey. Like, We'll help you get there. They were very helpful and very supportive, but it wasn't, they didn't make it easy. I'll say they, they, they forced it to be my decision and, and, and really be something that I fought to do as opposed to just doing it because I was exposed to it. And that's what my father did. And it was all, you know, rainbows and, and sunshine. But I also grew up sitting around a dinner table hearing about the hardships of it. So I knew that it wasn't just glamorous all the time. I came from a little bit of a different background than Robin did. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Iowa. As Robin will say, it's a flyover state, but there actually are people that were born and lived there. So I grew up there and I'm the youngest of four. Uh, so I had a six person family. So it was a big family. And I always wanted to like be better than all of my three older siblings, right? So I, I started dancing when I was four years old because my oldest sister danced. And then I kept with it. And when I was in middle school, you know, I quit for a little bit because of like this, the, the civility of people within middle school. Right. So I got bullied a little bit, but then I played sports as well. So that, that kind of got evened out once we got on the field. And then I had a lot of mentors that where I grew up, where they really, they really respected and pushed me because they saw something to keep dancing. So I, I started dancing again when I was in middle school still, but I really didn't know I was going to be a professional dancer until 
maybe my junior or senior year in high school. I danced all my life and I loved it and I loved the arts, but I didn't have that ability to come and see shows all the time and come and see operas and whatnot. We got to see some of the tours that came through the Midwest, which were unbelievable. But until I came to New York City, uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I didn't know what I needed to do for my life. And that's kind of when I when I realized that, oh, I I belong here and this is the city that I want to live in and this is what I want to do. And so I ended up applying to a bunch of different colleges and I was supposed to go to Oklahoma City University. But a month before I was supposed to go to college, I was offered a role in the National Tour of Moving Out, which is one of my dream shows. And I got to be the lead in the show. And that was one of my dream roles. So I couldn't, I, I had no choice for myself. Although my naive self, I'll tell you a quick little story. I, I was offered it right after the audition on the spot because they knew I was supposed to go to college. And my, my young, naive 18-year-old self said, can I ask my parents first? Because, because I, I, didn't, I was set to go to college. I had a plan. And both my parents are very academic. They both have their PhDs. Uh, so I, I was worried that they weren't going to let me start my career quite yet. I didn't know if they thought I could do it, if I was ready yet as an adult. And so I talked to my mom over the phone and she says, well, you have to talk to your father. And my dad, the, the first thing, and I'll never forget this, and I, I always get choked up a little bit, is that the first thing he said is, go do it. This is what you want to do with your life. And that's not the response that I was expecting. It was college comes first, education first, and then you can know what you need to do. So I was blessed with a very supportive family. And when I did that tour, I came back to New York City and I just kept going. And it's 12 years later now since that tour. And I've been on Broadway. I've hit the goals. And now I've been choreographing and directing which is awesome. And I still love to perform when we're able to, which we haven't been able to for a year now, but it's been a blessing and I, and I wouldn't change it for the world of where I came from and, and how I got here. Broadway is kind of the hub. You know, I, it's, it's amazing that theater is done all over the world and it certainly didn't start in New York City, but Broadway has kind of become and is established as the hub of musical theater, especially. And all those all those shows uh, often start in other countries or other places. It's it's almost like the stamp of approval of being at the helm at the highest. Um, I know as a performer, Broadway for ninety percent of performers, maybe a hundred percent, but I won't speak for everybody. Making it to Broadway is like the top of the top of the top, and that is true in many ways. It's also not necessarily true in many ways, but I think that. Broadway is kind of like I said the 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 top the 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 ultimate goal that you could have for yourself as a musical theater performer, and I think as a performer in that world now it took me some time to get there. Every everyone everyone's journey to Broadway is different. Some people work their whole lives and never book a Broadway show, but are extremely um, successful at 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 their artistry and in in their career. Um, being in in this community in this city the hustle and bustle of everybody going to their shows of the audience members lining up to the, get to their shows rehearsing your show finally getting to opening night you know sometimes being in that show for upwards of what phantom now is at 
30 plus years on Broadway. There are people that have been in that show for over 25 of those years. Um, and, or or being in a show that lasts for a month because not all the shows last <laughs> that long. I think I think there's just something about it kind of being the pinnacle and and the and like I said, the hub of musical theater that being in that world here in New York City is just amazing. And um and definitely as a choreographer as well, being on the other side of that. Um it it just kind of um, I don't know I, I'm I'm repeating myself but it just kind of is like the best of the best it's the best of the best of performers of directors choreographers of creators and I feel really blessed to be a part of it. We have some global listeners and um and and I would like for both of you to sort of define for you what is Broadway culture and what is Broadway shows you as performers and choreographers in it because I think it's very different to the rest of the world. I mean, I know we do musicals and stuff around the world, but I'm only really starting to understand how diverse and how different, even from maybe a stage management point of view, how you stage manage on West End is really different from Broadway and all of those sort of things. So tell us about the culture as a performer and choreographer in in that world. No, absolutely. The analogy that I would give is Broadway is like Hollywood. Right. So Broadway for performers for and and a lot of Hollywood actors and actresses have performed or do perform on Broadway. Right. So that's that's the pinnacle of 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 this industry. The culture of it is a huge family, if that can answer your question. Right. Everybody has a part of it. Every artist, every dancer, every singer, every actor, every stage manager, every creator, directors, sound designers, lighting designers, choreographers, everybody has a part of Broadway. Whether they have worked, are working, or will never work on Broadway, they all have a part. Um, Because so many shows, almost all of the shows, a lot of the big musicals that have a big name to them, sometimes they don't do out of towns, but most shows do these big out of town runs to see how it's gonna do. And then the show changes and it molds and it creates, and then it becomes where it's gonna be, where are they gonna be, basically adjudicated, right? So you have Hollywood, the Oscars. For Broadway, we have the Tonys, and that's the pinnacle award. That's where you're gonna find the best directors, the best choreographers, the best leads, the best supporting, the best ensemble, everything. And why I say it's a big family is that everybody always has a part. And even if you're just a dancer that kind of works with a choreographer on the side and you get pulled in for what we call pre-production, pre-pro, your influence to that choreographer is going to change the way they choreograph for that show or for future shows in, in the future or for the Tony opening number. You know, they, they always have, there's always a piece of every artist that's ever stepped through New York or stepped through the gates anywhere in the world that has a footprint on Broadway. That's, that's the best way I can say it. And then when you are working on Broadway and you're in a show and you, you feel that, that's that gratification, that satisfaction, and like the pinnacle of all this hard work that you've put in since you were a kid. You feel that from the audiences and from from the reviews, and even if the reviews are bad, but the audience still love it. You know, they'll still see you at the stage door. But you're you become a family, 
and every cast is super tight for the most part. They're very close, but then all of the rest of the cast that are performing on Broadway or have performed, you always have that connection with them and you're gonna meet more people and you're gonna work with more people. And like Robin and I have done shows together, but before that we both did Cats, but we did it at separate times. We did the exact same show on Broadway, but she did it a year before I joined the company. And that's what's crazy. And that's how small this world really becomes is, is oh wait, I did that exact same show. How did we never meet, right? But then you meet these people down the line and you have so much in common already because you're in the same industry, this, this, same, this same family of Broadway and of musical theater and the arts. How do you think it came to be Broadway? You know, like what makes it that it is the best of the best when it comes to musical theater? If, if people are interested in musical theater, there's a huge history of when theater was becoming theater and that happened in New York. That happened in New York City. And that's, I think that answers your question of like, why has Broadway become Broadway? Because it really started here. Musical theater started here, but like we can't claim ballet, right? We can't claim opera, but we have amazing ballet companies and amazing opera companies here in New York City. But we can't claim like, this is the, this is the hub of ballet or, or opera. Although in the States, we would say that this is the hub for ballet and opera for the most part, because we have these amazing companies like ABT and New York City Ballet. And then we have the Metropolitan or the Met that has amazing opera companies um, and New York City Opera. But when it comes to theater, like this, this is where it happened. This is where it was born. And, and then it grew from there. And then it started to spread out into the world. But yet I think it stayed here in Midtown and around of where these major theaters are. And they're not the biggest theaters in the world, right? We tour, we've, both of us have done tours and we've, we've performed at these 3,500 seat theaters and more, but in New York, you're not gonna get that. It's a little more intimate. You have a couple thousand in some of the bigger houses, but these theaters have such a rich history of the classic shows, the more modern shows and all of those shows in between that didn't last to opening night, right? They were doing previews and they were canceled before they even opened. Or the shows like Phantom of the Opera that have been open for over 30 years. And then you talk about Chicago and Wicked and more of these modern shows, but they have been open for decades. Uh, and Hamilton will be close behind on how long it runs on Broadway. Um, but this is, where, this is where it began. I think this is where, that's why it is still that hub of theater. Because it began there and, and, and essentially, that was the location where the formula was created of how to do Broadway shows, you know, just like Disney took the theme park world and started. And when you, when you are the people that begin that, you start to master that, the art of that, right? And having, living on the other side of the world, you don't often get that structure when people are trying to put on a musical or trying to open a theme park or, you know, like the the people who have developed that method then master it and then it becomes that hub of that whatever that skill or whatever that art is. So, yeah, it's 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 really amazing to see, you know, and then I'm going to have to go back and research so I know how that happened then in the West End and all of that sort of stuff as well. But both of you have toured and so tell us a little bit about, you know, what did you learn on tour? So, you, you know, you started by touring, Mark, and that would have been you know, as an 18-year-old, boom, leading the show, off you go. How was that? <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, I was lucky that my cast was incredible. 
uh, I didn't get into too much trouble, which is good. But I was 18 and I was the youngest person in the cast. And I was the lead for the show most of the night. So I had this weird dynamic of, I don't know what I'm doing. And then that feeling of, I have to know what I'm doing in order to perform this show. But when it came to like proper adulting, when I was 18 years old on the road throughout most of the states within the United States, and then plus places in Canada, I learned a lot. And I, it's, it's like being thrown into a pool and you don't know how to swim. You're going to figure it out. You're going to make sure you don't drown. And then you grow from there. And that's, that's really the best analogy that I can give for that. But it's really, it was really the community around me that, that showed me the way. And I, and I feel like that is, that's the same for, for a lot of people when they're thrown into this career. Even if you go to college for four years or you train your whole life, you're still not ready until you experience it because it's so different. And it's, it, it's like being shot out of a cannon where you, you, have, you have to keep up or else, or else you're going to fall behind. Trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And for, and for you, Robin? Yeah, I would say the experience of being on tour versus performing on Broadway or or doing a show where you live, there's just a lot of different variables that are thrown at you. So I think it's it's amazing and wonderful because you get to see different parts of the country. I When I toured with Chicago, we went to the Philippines for three weeks. I probably never would have made it there had it not been that. So that was an amazing experience to be able to see other parts of the world. But you also need to know how as a dancer and a performer to take care of yourself while being thrown all those different elements of traveling. You know, you're more prone to being exposed to illnesses and then you're away from home dealing with that illness you're not, like I said, not sleeping in your bed every night so or traveling a lot. So you're in cramped spaces. You might have just finished doing five shows that weekend and then you have to sit on a bus for eight hours. How do you maintain your body to be as agile and healthy as you need it to be so that the next day you can do your show and do eight shows that week? So it's 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 amazing and wonderful, like I said, because you get to travel and experience new cultures and new people and new audiences too. Um, you know, jokes in one city may land differently than jokes in other cities, but you're also having to figure out how to keep yourself up and as healthy as you can be. And as, like I said, as as in shape as you can be while not having your own kitchen to cook in every night and bed to sleep in. So it's, it's amazing. There's just a lot of different things that are thrown your way that you have to kind of juggle and figure out how to deal with best on your own. Would you say you learn or so things of, about your own culture and your own country that you didn't think of or you didn't? I love your face, Mark. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, I, I, I have. I worked for the Norwegian Cruise Line for a while uh, within my career as a performer and also as a production supervisor uh, where I set shows. I set the cast to the show on the ship and then I would go out and set the cast on the ship. Right. So I would just go through the shows and make sure that they were all set up so that they could do their full contract. Um, but I've also, as a performer, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, but then I've done international tours that have have gone through a lot of the UK. Uh, I used to work in Ireland. I've done a show in Tokyo. And I did a big month and a half sit down in Monte Carlo. Uh, and the the amazing the amazing thing is how 
uh, how different the cultures are between every place and amazing in their own right. Um, I, I have gone to places where people absolutely hate Americans. I've gone to places where people absolutely love Americans. Um, and, and you learn a lot about why and how and what can we do better as travelers, but then also just trying to immerse yourself within the culture that you're in. One of my favorite ones was Tokyo, and it's a completely different culture than I've ever been in my entire life. I've gone through the Mediterranean plenty of times. I've gone through a lot of Europe, and I absolutely love Europe. And it's one of my favorite places. Um, but Tokyo, be, like touring through Tokyo and having that culture dynamic shift right when you step off of that bus from the airport, you're in a whole different world. And it's incredible. I've always told students of mine or people that, I, that I've taught that tour when you can. Go travel as much as you can when you're younger because you're going to learn more on the road than you are going to learn if you just try to keep your career going in one place. Traveling is just, it, it's that once in a lifetime experience when you get to go to these places that you learn more than you ever even thought or research. That, that is so, uh, it's, it's so rewarding, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable how our minds are wired a certain way and, and you can do this even from the difference of like New York City and Iowa. Like that was a big culture shift coming to New York City and then going off into other countries. It, it's, it's incredible. And, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Do you find that that would also feed you creatively, you know, in terms of your work, that reflection and understanding of the world? And if so, how? The more you see, the more you know, right? Uh, I mean, there's, there are documentary documentaries on Hal Prince that Robin could tell you a lot better than I of how he was creating a show and he saw a show overseas and that was the the foundation of how he was going to create that show right what show was that I'm sorry I can't even think right now do you remember I mean many of many of his shows I would say Pacific Overtures for instance which is very based on the Asian culture and and kabuki and or um even you know cabaret being in Germany and experiencing having experiences there yeah I, I think just to piggyback on what Mark is saying I think the more you're exposed to culturally you know art yes art is seeing a Broadway show or going to the ballet or going to a museum but art is always around us right in the clothes that people are wearing and the way that people are moving walking down the street in how people express themselves and so I think to be exposed culturally to different cultures and different parts of the world, open your eyes to so much more. And as an artist, if we can take that in, we can bring that to our work, whether it's as a choreographer, or as a performer. So, so I, I piggyback and agree and say my, my biggest advice to, to people when they ask me like, what's your best advice to people wanting to pursue a, a career in the arts is just expose yourself to everything, every type of dance, every type of theater, every type of music. You never know, you know, when you're going to need to pull those things out of your back pocket to be creative. So yeah, I agree. I think it's important to do and see and experience everything. And if you get those opportunities to travel, do it. <laughs> so I think this is interesting that we have both a male and a female dancer when it's a very heavily dominated discipline by females in general. So 
I mean, I know for myself as a, as a technician or a stage manager, when I say, well, I work in theater, everybody assumes I'm a dancer or an actress. And I'm like, well, no, I only touch a step on stage if I really have to. <laughs> but uh, what's been your experiences uh, personally going through this very, this discipline that it's so heavily influenced by gender, a stereotype on gender, I'd say? Times are changing. The biggest thing on why times are changing is exposure to the art, right? Exposure to what the statistics are, what the art is, why is this happening? How can we change it? Speaking of a male-female identifying issue, as I said when I was introducing myself, that in middle school I quit dancing because of being bullied because I was a male dancer. Yeah, I was called names. Like it, it was bad and. I was lucky enough that I played sports and I got the respect that way. And that allowed me to continue dancing without having uh, people bully me throughout all of my schooling. But that's not the case for a, a lot of male dancers growing up. And then it becomes about sexuality and it's always a stereotype of, of all of this and why are things negative. And now that we're having these conversations, the whole world is watching. It's not just within the industry. And that's what's beautiful. And that's why things are changing. But I will say it's exposure because all of those people that were bullying me when I was when we were young for no reason, because they were naive and, and they were ignorant. Nowadays, they're the ones that reach out and want to come and see a Broadway show and want to meet up for drinks and, and want to hang out. But I'm then it's be it's all it's all about because they've been exposed to what it really is. And why were they doing that back then on what they could have been doing? Because now they know in the modern day. When we're talking about male and ident female identifying aspects as well within dance, I teach a lot of partnering. I'm a partner first. Uh, and when you think about partnering, you always think male's the leader, female's the follower, right? And that's with like every style of partnering. That's been, that's been the, the base of the foundation. Um, but that's changing. And that's what's beautiful, especially about dance is because we can explore on who's the follower and who's the leader. And that's why when we're teaching partnering classes now, I try not to say, all right, the man's going to step here. No, it's the leader's going to step here because I could have two females together. I could have two males together. I could have any different combination. I could have a, a female being the leader and the male being the follower, which is the best exercise ever because a lot of guys don't know how to follow, me included. Right. Uh, but when we're, when you're when you're exposed and influenced by this at a younger age, then we can grow and diversify more within the art and everything can can even out so that people have that opportunity when when they're when they're older and they want to do and they want to pursue. But I mean, that goes back into a lot of pol politic things and into, you know, diversifying the casts and, and the creative team and and uh having art in our schools and not having that be the first program that gets cut because that's the biggest issue is that kids aren't today aren't exposed to all of this beautiful art and orchestra acquired theater drama club dance classes all of this all of that gets pushed out first so that sports teams can have more money and that's a huge issue and that's why that's why these issues are happening because when they're kids, when they're, they're the, 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 the biggest sponge that they could be and they could really take this on and understand it before they have a perception of what it is, uh, if they don't get that, then it's harder for them to understand that it's harder for them to 
be more accepting within the art and be more accepting within life. Mm, I totally agree with you there. I think, you know, creating the pathway for people to be exposed to that um, for one thing and then also for that to be acceptable whether whatever you identify as is something that you know like you said is shifting but the school system not yet really like you said is is going to and it's the same globally you know when things get tight budget wise or anything like that the first to get ticked off the list unfortunately is the arts yet the arts is such a representation representation of culture and and it's so important you know how many people have said this you know, pandemic, you know, what did you guys do while you were in lockdown? Mostly you'd listen to music and podcasts and consumed creative content. So what would you be doing if that wasn't there for you? So, you know, it's something that I, I get more and more passionate about it, Mark, now that you say that about that, you know, advocating for arts. And it's good that you teach that as well. I think that's it's good that you're um, trying to open those doors as well. And so going on that, you know, can you comment, either of you comment on the role of live entertainment and performing arts in our society, but also, you know, coming back from the pandemic, is it going to, do you think it's going to be worse or do you think it's going to be better? How do you feel we're going to move forward beyond this time? My concern personally is that when we go back, the the, the budgets will be smaller, the, you know, all this, you know, we know um, of, you know, the need for more diversity and we know for the need for um, opportunities and we know that we need to get better at doing everything that we do and yet people are still, it's still a business, right? And how many people, are, how many tourists are going to start coming to New York City for Broadway shows to open again? And if so, how many and how long does it take for those 41 theatres to be active and, and you know, do you going to have to have a COVID compliance officer there as well as look at diversity as well? You know, there's a lot to undertake coming back. And so what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a huge undertaking. I think it's not as simple as just opening the doors and letting people in. Um, I mean, on the, on the COVID front, it's going to have to be safe for both people to congregate in the audience and, and people feel people to feel safe to come and, be with the mass amount of people in the audience watching the show it's going to be safe to have it's going to need to be safe to have the casts backstage and doing the show where sometimes you're kissing three different people in a week because you have understudies on and and that's what you're you have to do in the show you know there there is no way to social distance in a theater backstage in small dressing rooms for some of these theaters were constructed many, many, many years ago and it's very close quarters. So I think it's going to be a big undertaking. Um, that's why, not to get political, but I'm very much advocating for the vac the vaccine and having people get vaccinated, both audience members and and cast members. I think from a money point of view, they're, I mean, I can't really do and do anything but speculate on how things are going to be brought back, but I don't think that you know, every Broadway show is going to open when they say, okay, we're open again. I think it's going to take time. They're probably going to start with the bigger music, the big money musicals like Hamilton and Wicked and kind of the, you know, for sure shows that are going to sell and see how many audience members come and how many people buy tickets into the future. And like you said, they're continue to diversify and make more opportunities for people. You know, they're, I saw in the, one of the questions, and maybe we'll get to that in a minute, but is if there's something that you could change about your business, what would it be? And it would just be the uh, opportunity. 
I wish there were twice as many Broadway shows and twice as many theaters so that there could be more opportunity for more people to be in shows, more people to see shows, more kinds of shows to put out there as opposed to having to limit that because of the kinds of shows that are already there and, you know, those kinds of things. So I I think it's going to be really tricky. And I think what's been frustrating for me personally during this time is that uh, I feel like the rest of the world, uh, people who are not in theater, don't always recognize people who work in the arts as uh, this being a real job as opposed to just something that they really love to do and are lucky to do. And yes, while all of that is true, it's also how I pay my bills. And it's also how I get my health care and my pension, the same as someone, you know, being a teacher or a doctor or anything like that. And and uh, what's been sad to me and disheartening to me is that it has felt at times through this pandemic that people don't realize that those of us working in the arts are very much suffering right now. And that while going to the theater might be a luxury for someone, working in the theater is my job and and my income and my livelihood. And that um, it's going to take a long time to get back to where it was. Um, you know, me, for instance, I was in Frozen before the pandemic hit, a hit Broadway show, Disney, we were running, we just went back into tech to change some elements to match the tour. We were, you know, booming. And two months into the shutdown, we got our closing notice. And so it went from, okay, we're dealing with a pandemic that we don't know how long it's going to last. And that's really sad. But at least I know I have my job coming out of this. And then that got ripped out right under me. And then that was gone. And um, while we're used to always searching for the next thing, it's going to be that much harder coming out of this, like you said, and it's just that much more daunting. And while it's an amazing thing to perform on Broadway, it's always, it's a job, <laughs> you know? And like I said, it's my income, it's my healthcare. It's, it's all of those things that I, as a human need to survive. So yeah, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna take a lot and it's going to be difficult to come back, but saying all of that, we artists are hustlers and can get through anything. And, and I, I have no doubt that Broadway will return and be bigger and better. It may just take some time. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's, it's all about a timing issue. At first it was, oh, we're just going to be shut down for two weeks. Then it was two months. Then it was six months. Then it was end of the year. Now it's next fall. Right. And and that's just the reality of the pandemic. And I know it's happening everywhere. And I know a lot of people have suffered. The hard thing that we have is that we can't just do it through a screen. Right. We can't. There, There is no alternate to live theater that we can give except for streaming a show where it can be streamed for a couple of days and then be taken down because people aren't paying tickets to that show. It's not going to keep it running. It's not going to pay our bills. And, and that is one of the saddest parts is is that government in general, the politics of it all, art is always the last thing they think about, even though we're the biggest sustainer of New York City. Art. We're big we make we make more money than the professional football teams combined. And that's and that that doesn't get remembered when times are needed. Um, and we're the reason why a lot of tourists come in. Restaurants survive because people are coming in to see shows. Coffee shops survive because people are there. Bars survive because people are here. If there are no shows, people aren't here. 
and souvenir shops. Yeah, your iHeart NY t-shirt. And and it, it's it's it is sad how how art is just like schools. It's the first thing to go, even though people forget that that that's where you can get your biggest education, and that's where you're going to get your biggest income within these bigger cities. It's it's going to be so difficult to come back, even when the vaccines spread enough that we reach herd immunity and people can start coming into the city. But then where are those people coming from? If they had the vaccine, are we going to have another spike with tourists here? where they're using our hospital systems because they're getting sick while they're on vacation. And that's just, and, and is it the theater when they're all packed in these houses? Is that where they're getting sick? So there's so many different elements that I am nowhere near smart enough in that aspect to, to think about and put a structure together. But I know that they've been working on it since day one, at least the producers, the producer league actors equity, which is the big performer and stage manager union. And then SDC, which is the big choreographer director union. Um, I know that they've all been talking on how to make this happen and how much is it really going to cost to put up a show? Because it's not just, as Robin said, it's not just, okay, all the shows can open. It's, all right, maybe our show can open when we have this amount of tourists because people are going to come and see this show. It's not just something out of the ordinary uh, that people are going to be like, oh, that would be cool to see. It, it has to be those shows that people come to New York to see. And then it's going to cost them money because we've been away from work for a year now almost we're going to have to bring everyone in and have rehearsal and, and tech the show again and make sure that the cast is all living in New York city still, because a lot of people have left to have other jobs because the arts, the art workers weren't given stipends like businesses were. Right. Um, so it's going to be all of these different aspects that have to come together and kind of have to meet at the right time for shows to come back. And, and, and I know there's always gossip on whatnot, but uh, I think a number that we heard, don't quote me on this, but it's, it takes like a million dollars for producers to put up a show for them to come back, to reopen a show. That, that's, that's what I mean, to reopen a show. So that, that's a lot of money. It's not just money that they can do multiple times. They have to make sure that they don't close again or they're gonna have to do that again. And then part two, diversity within, within the arts. The conversation started long ago and now it finally has some fuel on the fire for people to really start talking about it. And how, how do we, how do we make it more acceptable? How is our acceptance level going to rise? How can we become more diverse? How can we give that opportunity so that we can become more diverse? And that's that's one thing that has been beautiful about um, all the tragedy of this year is that there are so many conversations happening within the within the different unions, within with with multiple unions, within uh, different casts, within even just performer to performer. Like, hey, I'm here if you want to talk. I don't take offense. If you have questions, come come ask me. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think there are real plans and real strategies going out to make it more ex socially acceptable within all aspects of our career. I really liked uh, recently the release of the Netflix show Bridgerton that had a period piece with both um, black and white cast members. And it just, it felt like somebody just took a sledgehammer to expectations of like well of course they were all white back then but does that doesn't mean that we need to betray them as white people now and I really I really enjoyed that it it felt different for me to see it and and it was it felt odd but I think the more that that happens and the more that you just break that and that's that's really what we're talking about when we talk about diversity it's not about adding you know people with a couple of special needs people and a couple of people of color and all those things it's about 
where there's an expectation of that person being of a particular look or feel that that is completely replaced with something else. And I love to see that. So I, I really hope to um, see more of that in the future on stage as well as in, in, in television. So. Yeah. I think, I think that's the reason why Hamilton, not the reason because Lin-Manuel is a genius and Andy Blankenbuehler is a genius and, and all of them came together and like cre created this incredible show. But you think about like Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr, all old white guys that created America that helped write the constitution and all of this. Uh, but they weren't portrayed that way and it worked. And that's because it is socially acceptable, but we just, we're, it's those barriers that have to be broken. And I, that's why I'm so, I've always been so happy that Hamilton has become such a worldwide phenomenon because it answers that question. It's like, do you have to be within the time period within your show for it to work? And the answer is not, not always. Yeah. So like you, you can do that and it works. And, and that's, what's so beautiful. And it was so accepted because the show is amazing and because they're incredible actors and that's all it's about. Really. It's not about, are you the right skin type? Are you the, are you the right gender? Sometimes you have to have that for the story to work, but it, it doesn't need to happen all the time. And it doesn't in it, I, I don't know. I I know I'm going in circles, but that that's that's so important for people to see, and that's when it becomes about you know being exposed to everything. Because when people see that, then they're exposed to it. That yeah, there's a black man playing Thomas Jefferson. That's awesome, right? Because 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 you can get excited about that then. And it sets the tone, you know, because you know as much as it is an entertainment and as a business, it also is a visual portrayal of society, right? So if people are going to see the theatre and they see that, that then invites that to be a norm, and I think that's a wonderful thing. So tell us what you if what what do you like most about your job, each of you? It is such a hard question because there's so many things that I love on stage. I love being on stage and feeling what you feel when you're performing and watching live theater. It's an unspoken connection between the audience and the performer. Uh, it's different every night as a performer. It's probably different every night as an audience member as well in every show. There is just something about the fact that it's live, that you're feeding off of the laughter or the applause of the audience that fills you as a performer and makes you want to work harder. And I love the community of it. I love the offstage part, which is, you know, your your cast is your is your show family. And the other shows are a part of that family. You know, there's I don't know whether it's that we all know how hard it is to do what we do and how much dedication and hard work it took to get where we are, that there's just kind of this unspoken camaraderie <laughs> behind it all. But we really are a community that for the most part lifts each other up and carries through um, both hardships on stage and hardships off stage. And I just think that in a lot of other fields, you won't find that. There's there's no other business where, you know, <laughs> on day one, it's like, hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Okay, now lift me over your head and I'm going to trust that you're not going to drop me. You know, or, or uh, I don't know, a million other examples like that. There's like immediate trust, immediate connection and I just think that that's amazing <laughs> so yeah I think just the the feeling of, of performing on stage and having it be 
an unspoken communication between the audience is, is incredible. And then just the support that you get from your community and, and fellow castmates is, is just the best. Two things, the community and the ability to be a storyteller. Life's hard, adulting's hard, you know, being able to eight times a week or whenever you get the chance to tell a story that isn't necessarily yours, but being able to bring your own emotions into it and create characters and have this group around you that is telling the same story with you that can change every night, but that can reach somebody in that audience. I, I never go into a show thinking, I, I'm gonna blow this entire audience's mind, right? I, I, the only thing that I search for within, within my art is starting one conversation with one person that came to see that show because it can change someone's life. And if somebody can still talk about that show after they left, then mission accomplished. If, if we can be an escape for two and a half hours for somebody that just had a crappy day or has had a really crappy year or maybe their life's amazing, but they can just escape for two and a half hours and not think about those things and enjoy something or cry about something or feel angry about something, um, then I think we've accomplished something. The beauty of being able to tell that story, to tell any story you're, you're doing, even if it's super campy Disney, not all Disney is campy by any means, or something super deep and culturally relevant and you're pushing the boundary of what you're doing on stage, there, that whole spectrum is still beautiful. Wherever you are within, within that area, the, the fact that you get to tell that story and that you get to be that person to start that conversation with somebody is one of the most rewarding things that I can take away from my entire journey and my career every time I'm on that stage. And then just the community. I know Robin touched on this, the community around you. Everyone has everyone's back. The, the world is so small and so big at the same time that having the people around you support you and understand you and understand what you're doing and always be able to help you no matter what you're going through or like what you're trying to accomplish within the, your creativity everyone will always give it a shot and everyone will always be there to hold you up even if you are absolutely broken or you're completely lost on a project and you're like i have no idea what to do next you have people around you that can help you and those are the people that we keep close within this industry because they're the storytellers they're the art makers they're the people that leave that footprint on broadway that then transfer into the audience's eyes and ears and feelings and that's when you get that full that full experience of broadway or musical theater that they can then take away at home and then a year later they're like oh yeah i re i remember that and that that opened so many doors for me to have so many different conversations or so many different aspects uh, within my life changed because I listened or I, I saw something and all it takes is one second. That's all it takes. You can change the world in one second, right? We've seen that literally throughout all of history. All it takes is one second and being able to be that person or be a part of that group that does that is, is so rewarding. So if you could change something, what would you change? Like I said, I would definitely change just, just the opportunity. I wish there were double the amount of shows on Broadway. I wish there were double the amount of 
shows happening regionally. Um, I just, I wish we're such a dense population of people that want to be performers and there just isn't enough opportunity for everyone to do it. And, and I, I just wish there was, I wish, I wish there was more, like I said, there were more shows, there were more theaters. I, I just wish there was more. We've touched on this a lot, a lot of times tonight, um, but it's exposure. That's what I would change is, is if you can reach a child's mind early, their influence then is so big. And that could be the next Lin-Manuel Miranda. That could be the next Hal Prince. If that's lost in somebody that is meant to be doing this, but they were never exposed to it, they'll never do it. And that's so sad to me. And art will change when more people are exposed to it. Because the more voices that are heard, the more we can be understood, right? We, the more we can understand. So changing that exposure, putting arts back in school, keeping arts in school, putting programs together that can be reached no matter what your uh, socioeconomic background is within your family, right? If you can't afford it, it's okay. This program is here for you for you to get that exposure, to be able to take acting classes, vocal classes, uh, dance classes, anything you want or need, then you, then you can make that choice. But if you're never exposed to it, you never get to make that choice. And isn't that what life's about? Making a choice, right? Having that choice to be heard. If, if you wanna do it, amazing. If you don't, you're gonna learn something still from it. I learned more throughout art type programs than I did in any other program that I took right growing up because that that's where you find the real reality of life that's these shows aren't made from nothing these shows are made from real life experiences that are then created into this big musical or show or drama piece anything or play you know that that's that's where you're going to be influenced to do more with your life and i'll just add on that it's it's funny because Mark and I actually were listening to a record, um, a Sondheim record the other day, and I kept having moments of realization. And I remember I turned to him afterwards and I said, I really think everything I learned, like the foundations of what I learned in life, I learned from musical theater. I, I mean that in a way that I had just memories flooding back of being a child and and listening to a song from a show or watching a show. and having such visceral reactions to what was going on and no and and relating to that for for you know whatever I was going through at that point in my life or feeling like yes that's what I've been feeling but I don't know how to say you know they say like you sing because that's you you've been you talk it out so much that now you just have to sing about it or we dance because you know, the same way that I'm using my arms right now and talking because I'm emotional about it. It's like the emotion is coming out through my body. And I think that it's it's silly but it's true like so much of my of my emotional upbringing i related to musical theater in the themes that i heard or the the topics that were talked about and now more so than ever with with some shows that are happening you know people are relating to that the same way that you relate to movies or you relate to other forms of art and i think that like mark was saying the being able to be exposed to that and have an outlet like that to relate to, to let those emotions out. Or, or like we've said before, I see someone on that stage that looks like me and that makes it possible for me to know that I can achieve that is so important. 
And I think we're both in agreement in that the exposure at an early age and, and continuing arts in school and bringing arts to those programs and, and people are just so, it's so important. So, so, so important. So uh, where can our audience um, see more of what you've done? And um, I believe you both teach maybe online these days. I don't know. So maybe they can look for what you're doing this these days. Yeah, we both teach on a dance online platform called Pastor, uh, P-A-S-S-D-O-O-R. And you can find that through mindbody.com. And it's amazing. I teach two tap classes every week. Robin teaches a musical theater and a ballet class every week. And it's been a great way for us to, A, continuing to dance, but B, being able to teach people that aren't necessarily in New York City like we normally would in person. Um, we've gotten students from Korea and Taiwan. And it's, it's been pretty incredible to see, see how, how many people we can reach around the world. But you can also follow me at, at Cram Heitzman, C-R-A-M-H-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N on Instagram. And we post some videos every once in a while, but if you want more, come to New York City and come see a show. Yeah, I was going to say, we both, we both teach, which is amazing that it's been able to keep us creative during this time. And um, certainly follow us on social media. I'm at Robin Masella. But, you know, when this when Broadway opens up again, come to New York and see a Broadway show or go to your your local regional theater and see a Broadway show or or see a, see a regional show um, or a, a tour that's coming through your city. Just keep supporting the arts. Yeah, we, we look forward to when we can be back on stage for sure. Well, thank you so much, Robin and Mark. I think your passion is evident in your uh, stories and, and your experiences, and it's really been a privilege to share those uh, today with us and then soon with our audience. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. We would love to hear from you, our listeners, on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you. There's a link in our podcast description where you can send us your podcast requests and guest nominations. Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcasts for free. And if you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast description. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life, the global media site for entertainment, at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Zare for composing the music for our podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast. Thanks for listening.